Please remain standing for the reading of today's gospel lesson, the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to St. John. Listen for the word of the Lord. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also were weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and he was deeply moved. He said, well, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see there, see how he loved him. But others said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this other man from dying? But then again, greatly disturbed, Jesus came to the tomb. It was a cave, and it had a stone that was lying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It's my understanding that the longest verse in the Bible is found in the book of Esther, chapter 8, verse 9, in our New Revised Standard Version. Esther 8, verse 9, contains 85 words, 8 commas, 2 sets of hyphenated words, and 1 semicolon. That's a long sentence. The longest verse in the Bible, interestingly enough, is it's about an edict that was issued by the king revoking the mandates to destroy the Jewish people. But I find it fascinating that the longest verse in the Bible is a product of the queen, Queen Esther, weeping at the feet of the king on behalf of her people. The king heard her. The king saw her tears and he responded and Word went out that the Jews are not only to be spared, but they are to rise up and reclaim their salvation. If we fast forward a few thousand years to today's reading, we see Mary weeping at the feet of the King of Kings on behalf of her friends and family who are grieving. Today's text contains the shortest verse in the Bible. What is it? Jesus wept. You got it. Esther's tears moved the heart of her king to do something, and he did. Mary's tears, Martha's tears, the community's tears moved Jesus to do something and to give the world hope once again. So he did. The tears we have cried in the past year the tears we cry today 
for our deceased saints are not cried in a vacuum. The tears that we cry for a friend, a spouse, for a child or for a grandchild, a parent or a grandparent, the tears you cry for one of your pew pals or your Sunday school partners or the person with whom you debate at the coffee pot before and after Sunday school, the person you just miss. And we've had some pushing the century mark who have died and others who have surpassed it and we've We've called the names of those who were only a few hours old. Families, your tears are those that never hit the ground for they have been caught in this past year and collected and held close to God's own heart. Your tears have not been cried alone. I, I'm not sure exactly why Jesus wept was it because his dear friend Lazarus died before he could, Jesus could get there and respond or say goodbye or actually heal him, as Mary and Martha say? If you would only have been here sooner, my brother would not have died. Now that is an honest thing to say to Jesus, isn't it? How many of you here this past year have wanted to poke your finger in the chest of the Lord and say, if you had just done something. Where were you? Some of you might still be saying, where are you? That's an honest prayer. Honestly, Lazarus still would have died. It's the one thing that holds all of us in common. We will all die. But the reality of death and the gravity of its accompanying emotions tends to occupy a lot of our attention in ways that maybe it shouldn't have. When we say, if you had only been here, you could have fixed this, it's honest, but is it a false expectation? Because Jesus did do something. He did show up, and he cried. The expectation of the story, of, of all of our stories, is that Jesus will do what we expect, when we expect, how we expect, and, and better than the last person who had the same expectations. Lord, we expected you to be here sooner and, and to fix this. I think, I think that wounded Jesus to hear that level of expectation from some of his best friends. So he wept. Did he weep because his closest friends were missing the point of his whole mission and message, maybe. But Jesus' tears signal that Lazarus was worth crying for, that Mary and Martha are worth Jesus' tears too, that you and your loved ones are worth Jesus' tears, because his are tears of compassion, reminding us that no one suffers alone. His are tears of empathy, Jesus' tears on that day were tears knowing that only a couple of miles away his own mother would be weeping at his feet and he would be in his own tomb. But he takes time to convey that with the family of God, I want you to hear this today, no one cries alone and no one suffers alone. 
There is a day coming when the tears will be dried up. Read Revelation 21 or Revelation 7 that speaks of the great, the great multitude having gone through the great ordeal, through the great pain. They've been washed in the blood and there are no more tears. There's no more crying. There's no more sorrow. On this holy day, when we remember the lives of our beloved saints, there is at least a ray of hope knowing that Christ knows what it's like to lose a friend. And so his tears are our tears too. Your tears are prayers when words fall short. Your tears are the language that God hears and God understands and God speaks. We do not cry tears for people or about things for which we do not care. One cannot love and not weep. One cannot express with words during a lifetime what a single tear can convey in that very brief and tender moment like today where we have this means, this mechanism called worship where we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and we can express an inexpressible love for those who are no longer with us. Tears are also not a sign of weakness, but a sign of power. Somebody once wrote that our tears are the original holy water. It's the original holy water that blesses our world and quenches the parched palates of God's hurting people. So the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God, the Messiah, wept, putting on display his full humanity and his full divinity. But something unexpected is about to happen. Mary and Martha expected Jesus to have been more punctual, to have intervened sooner, at a bare minimum, to have shown up. There was an expectation to just show up and say, I'm sorry, I got here as quickly as I could. And then they could have moved on and had a meal, and they could have grieved, and they could have told stories like we do at a meal when someone dies, and we could have embellished a lot of those stories like we do at meals when people die. But everyone in this scene expected that. What they didn't expect was for Jesus' tears to evoke the power of heaven, to tell the world that death just does not get the final word. And so he orders the stone to roll away. And he calls Lazarus by name. Lazarus, come forward. It won't be the last time he calls someone by name in their grief. And a four-day-old corpse comes forward like a mummy. Did you pick up on all of that with the wrappings? No one saw that coming. No one could have expected that death was not final. No one would have ever imagined that someone could rise from the tomb. And Lazarus is welcomed back to his friends and to his family, and he's greeted by their tears. God works best through surprises by weaving the unexpected narrative threads into the fabric of our stories. 
And being a person of faith means moving from our tombs of expectation and certainty into the light of a surprisingly new day. We expect death to be the end, but it's not even close to being the end. Sometimes I fear this story is so familiar that just in having heard about Lazarus' illness and his death and his raising that we're, we're good. Add a layer of Jesus' tears and that's a layer of depth and wow, we've, we've really dug into this. But rarely does anyone talk about Lazarus in the story. I think if we put ourselves in his shoes today, we can start seeing things a bit differently. Can you imagine hearing your name called? Because you will one day. Can you imagine Jesus saying, take that stone, that obstacle out of the way so that I can get to my beloved child because he's saying that to you today? Can you imagine how painful it must have been for Lazarus, his eyes to be hit by the bright light he'd been in the dark tomb for four days? You know what? Hope is like that. The power of resurrection, the joy of Christ standing. Can you imagine? Oh, the image comes into focus and it's Jesus. Can you imagine what Lazarus must have thought? Our surprising reality in just a few moments, we say it in our creed, is that we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, and then what? The communion of saints. That's shocking. Unexpected, really. But what's going to happen in just a moment when you hear the invitation, you've made your confession, you've received pardon, we're going to celebrate in the great thanksgiving and we are going to acknowledge that we are surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses and we are communing with all of the saints and Jesus is going to call your name. And what's happening in this day? Every Sunday is a little Easter. What's happening on this day is he's ordering stones to be rolled away. So whatever darkness is entombing you, the darkness of grief or loneliness or fear or shame or guilt or these feelings of insufficiency or, or the darkness might be some other form. You might be entombed by the darkness of prejudice or intolerance or divisiveness or complacency or indifference itself or maybe just the tomb of, of the last 20 months. Jesus is saying, let's roll them away together. I'm going to call you by name. And I want you to come forward and take some steps to see that there is a new day dawning. That with the power of the Holy Spirit through the body of believers, we catch a glimpse that death is not final. That the worst things are never the last things in this world. That Christ is truly making all things new. Families, one step at a time. May it be so.